Welcome to a jam-packed Hypnotoad podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. It's your best buddy, the mostly sunburnt Andrew Zimmel, coming to you. Got a lot to talk about. Going to recap the uh, TCU baseball season, put a bow on that, then talk all about football, 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 because that is what makes the world go round. But before we get into all of that, I want to remind you, win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on iTunes, send it to the big boss, Pete Mundo, at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Leave a rating and review everywhere that you get the podcast, because you can get it everywhere. You can get it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, wherever you listen to this beautiful audio medium that we give out to you for free. Subscribe, rate, review. I'll tell you what. The good reviews, we read all the time. The bad reviews, you know, we read those too. All right, let's get into it because TCU baseball, a lot of people have been talking about it. LSU wins the national championship. They take down Florida in what was a very exciting three-game series. LSU in the final game absolutely mollywopped Florida. And if you are somebody like me who buys into the championship DVD theory, it's a theory that me and my best friend came up with when we were in seventh grade. We were sitting next to each other arguing over would you rather have your team lose to the Super Bowl champion or beat the Super um lose to the Super Bowl champion or lose to the team that loses in the Super Bowl okay the answer for me was clearly I don't want the team that beat my favorite team to win the whole thing now I understand a lot of people have the opposite opinion they say well you know I want to say that we lost to the team the eventual Super Bowl champions my thought process has always been I don't want to be on the championship DVD. I don't want my favorite team to be on the championship DVD. It goes back to 2009 when the Saints won the entire thing, and my Minnesota Vikings played a very large part in that championship DVD. They lost the NFC Championship game. I don't like that. I don't like to be remembered by that, and I don't like my opposing fan base to remember that either. The same way that TCU losing the national championship, now I say to myself, hey, First Big 12 team to make it to the college football playoffs to win a college football playoff game, right? Huge deal. But if you said to TCU fans, hey, Georgia gets to watch that huge win over and over and over again, I imagine that some TCU fans probably wouldn't like that. You know, I'm not a big fan of that. Losing to Florida, not great. 3-2 loss in uh, the semifinal. TCU ends up being the third-place team in the College Baseball World Series, right? LSU beat Florida, Florida beat TCU, TCU now the third team. Makes sense, right? Okay. TCU losing to Florida was the immaculation, or uh, it was the the accumulation, the the crescendo of an incredible season. But if you watched what the Frogs did in Omaha, you knew after a 6-1 win against Oral Roberts, you knew that the bats were already a little shaky. Against Virginia, they were shaky. Coming into this one, they scored a ton of runs against Arkansas. But I just didn't feel, after that Oral Roberts loss, that first Friday of the tournament, after the win that was essentially a small ball win against Virginia, and then, of course, the 6-1 win against Oral Roberts in that rematch game, I just felt like the bats weren't where they needed to be to beat a team like Florida that was full of talent, was chock full of uh, pitching. TCU this season. Now that we're done, now that we can look back on it, we'll talk about uh, some accolades here in a minute. 
Now that the season's over, you look back in retrospect. Outside, it's been about a week since the, the Frogs ended their season. You can look back and you can say they achieved more than we thought they would at the midway point. Before the season, I told you that this was a team that could win the Big 12, that this was a team that could be playing the college baseball playoffs, that this was a team that could go deep, maybe get a trip to Omaha. We said that in February. But at the halfway point of the season, the writing was on the wall that this might be a team that doesn't get out of the second round of the Big 12 tournament. That this could potentially be a team that had a lot of expectations early on that the pitching wasn't there, that the young guys weren't developed yet, and that there was a lot of work to do in the offseason. That is the conversation we were having at the midway point. So if we go from the midway point to now, and we look back at what TCU baseball did, then the season was a glowing success. If that is the way that we look at it, and that's the way I choose to look at it, I think it was a, a success, I think it was an overachievement by this team to go and do what they did to come in third place in the College World Series, to lose to a team like Florida, who was a heavy favorite over TCU coming into the College World Series, coming into Omaha, um, beating a team like Virginia, who was a favorite against TCU. All of these things tell me that it was a successful season. And uh, look, I know, wrapping up again, wrapping up baseball, a lot of fans were at Omaha. I thought it was an incredible environment. TCU fans, they sneakily travel better than I think most fan bases in college athletics. And I don't think that that's news to you or me. I think it's news to the rest of the world. I think people were kind of surprised to see how many Horned Frogs, how much purple and white was there. Um, I'm going with this. I think it was a successful season. I do want to shout out LSU. The SEC now has won the last four College World Series I absolutely hate that teams like Vanderbilt, that Old Miss, that Alabama, that AM get to wave that flag, and it's going to drive me even more crazy next year and two years when it will be Oklahoma baseball fans waving the flag saying, hey, look, we, the SEC, the mighty SEC, won a title. No, your team didn't win anything. This team won. So I want to congratulate LSU. I'm happy for uh, the fan base down there. Uh, I am disappointed that the SEC does get to wave that banner in the rest of our faces. All right. TCU Baseball's Braden Taylor, who I was sitting in the left field bleachers, and I was trying to convince to everyone that would listen that this was an All-American. He was the third team All-American this season by Baseball America as a designated hitter. The junior led TCU in single-season school record as well with 23 home runs. He put together what TCU Athletics is calling a storybook career, I would say that it is better than storybook because you couldn't write these type of things down. Uh, In his career, he has an all-time career home run record with 48. He scored over 180 runs, which is fifth most all-time, while his 73 RBIs is fourth most, 158 career walks, tied for second most, career batting average of 318 over almost 200 games. This is a uh, player who... If you've been rooting for TCU for a while, if you've been keeping up with the baseball program, he's a household name. Uh, he had a big home run in Omaha. We're very happy. Th- he's the only All-American, though, off this squad, which kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought that Anthony Silva would get a little bit more recognition for the amazing freshman campaign that he had this year. The pitching staff not getting any uh, in sign-off does not shock me at all. 
Um, yeah, so I'm very happy with that. I'm kind of surprised the head coach didn't get any accolades either. So something to keep an eye on. All right. Baseball is done. We put a bow on it. We will talk about the commitments of the recruits because that is an ongoing process. Guys are coming in, uh, coming on and off campus. When we get commitments, we will talk about them. When they are newsworthy, notesworthy, we'll talk about it. But for the most part, that is it. That's baseball season for TCU, one of the most successful programs in college athletics this year. TCU continues to keep the ball rolling. Well, let's talk about the surprise winner from last year's college football season, TCU Horn Frogs, who were not picked to win the Big 12, who are not picked again this year to win the Big 12 by most media members. Speaking of media members, Media Day, TCU Big 12 Media Day was announced. TCU will represent with four guys, head coach Sonny Dykes, that's a no-brainer. Bud Clark will be there, offensive lineman Brandon Coleman, linebacker Jamon Hodges, Cornerback Josh Newton, which makes sense because he has been on a lot of the pre-team or preseason All-American lists, a lot of the preseason watch lists, uh, preseason All-Big 12 list, and tight end Jared Wiley. So those make sense. Newton, of course, first team All-Big 12 last season, Clark, Coleman, Hodges, and Whitley, all honorable mentions. We've talked about Sonny Dykes to ad nauseum on this podcast, how much we love uh, the Dykes over here. Ten National Coach of the Year honors. And TCU, of course, became the first program in the state of Texas to make the college football playoffs and the first in the Big 12 to reach the national championship. All right, all of that being said, get all that out of the way. The Big 12 this year, more exciting than it has ever been. There is a mix between the teams that are leaving, Oklahoma and Texas, which are getting a little bit of buzz. And then, of course, the teams coming in, BYU, Houston. Those squads are getting a lot of buzz coming in. This is the only season, potentially... It is the only season that we will have all of these teams in the conference at the same time. Unless something absolutely wild happens, this is the last season this is going to happen. This is the last season Texas OU will be here. All right. So that means media day this year is going to be extra special. This means that media day this year is going to be very interesting because you're going to get conversations about what's it going to feel like the last time you play Texas, right? You want to beat Texas as they go out the door. You want to beat Oklahoma as they go out the door. And for TCU, you have a chance now to be the premier program in the state of Texas. If things shake out the way that many people think they are, which means TCU has a successful season, let's call it a 9-10 win season, while Texas and Oklahoma finish out their run in the Big 12 and then move to the SEC, and then potentially maybe compete. Right? Maybe they compete, and maybe they don't. Maybe Texas and Oklahoma aren't as good as their donors, not as good as their alumni, not as good as their fans on Twitter think they will be, and they will maybe struggle. And TCU has a chance to be the premier program in the state of Texas. They already are the cream of the crop. They already are the only team to make the college football playoffs out of the state of Texas. So they have a chance here to really make some things happen, and this is the last media day that everybody will be together, and I imagine somebody, if it's not me, it'll be somebody else, who asked the question, what will it be like to kick Texas out on their way out? Right? What is it going to be like to give them a you know, bad taste in their mouth? That's the first thing. The second thing, and this caught my attention. It might have caught your attention too. No Chandler Morse. No quarterback for the Horned Frogs going to this year's media day. Now, a lot of the times, teams will do this because they don't want that added pressure. They don't want their quarterback going to the podium, 
saying something you shouldn't say, getting a hardball question, or God forbid, a gotcha question from a member of the media from, say, Baylor, right? Say a Waco media member or a Lovick media member. Those are just two examples. Let's just happen to say that those things happen, right? Let's just pretend. You don't want your quarterback put in a bad situation. You want to protect Chandler Morris. You want to protect him from maybe some tough questions that you could get. You lost your starting job last year. Max Duggan came in second to the Heisman Trophy. What is that like, right? I would say that, you know, he has a chance to really shock some people this year. I think he has a chance. He was a starting quarterback coming into last season. He had an entire year under his belt of watching Duggan do it. Now he comes in, has the reins. He has more weapons. Maybe not as good of weapons as uh, as Duggan had, as multiple guys get drafted in the NFL. Most special teams guys or uh, uh, skill position guys get drafted in the NFL. Maybe Morris doesn't have four or five guys who go play at the next level on this team this year. But I do think that maybe not quality, but he has quantity. He's got more guys to throw the ball to. He's got more guys who can make things happen in space. That's just my take right now after watching the spring game and everything I've read, everything I've seen uh, coming into the season. I think maybe quality, not quite there. Quantity, TCU has more guys this year than they had last year. Sonny Dykes has been able to turn uh, chicken into chicken salad more times than other coaches have. Think about what he did at SMU with some of the guys that he got there when they're getting picked over from other schools, Oklahoma, Texas, A&M, Baylor. You know, all these teams come into Dallas, and SMU still is very competitive and putting up a ton of points and looking as good as they looked. TCU this year, I think, has more guys than they had last year. Makes me excited. Media Day is like the kind of the kickoff point, right? Like It makes you feel like we're closer and closer to the college football season which is something that we're all looking for. Speaking of college football, we'll wrap it up here. The commitments that TCU's got. They got two huge ones and one massive one, all right? The first one, of course, uh, Ty Hawkins. He commits to TCU, a four-star quarterback. This happened earlier last week. He burst on the scene. It's a 2025 commit, so this is a long ways away. Why do I care so much about it? Partly because it's the quarterback position, partly because it's the most important position on the field, and partly because it's a San Antonio guy. And I am a San Antonio guy, and I want to rep my San Antonio dudes. He plays at uh, Johnson, which is cool. The Johnson Jaguars pass for 2,100 yards, 30 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, including a yard short of 900 yards last year, 6 TDs on the ground. He was the District 28 6A MVP in San Antonio. He is the 5th quarterback in his class, the 14th quarterback According to 20, uh, 24-7 Sports, he's the third dual quarterback, according to Rivals. All of this means that he's a guy who can get the job done. Now, his dimensions, six foot, 185 pounds, a little bit on the small side. You imagine he comes to TCU, he adds a little bit of weight. Hopefully, he still has an entire senior season to go. He does have other offers, Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. Those are your Big 12 offers. And then, of course, Old Miss in Oregon as well. Uh, he is competing at the 7-on-7 tournament in College Station. This is part of the reason why AM continues to have some of the best skill position players in the state commit to AM. I firmly, firmly, firmly believe this. Nobody else will buy it. AM fans are the only ones that agree with me on this. 
the fact that the 7-on-7 state tournament is played in College Station, in the backyard of A&M, means that some of these sophomores and juniors who are competing, their recruiters are there. They are seeing it. Now, that's not to say that TCU is not there. That's not to say that other Big 12 schools are not there. But because it's played at College Station, I have to imagine that that does play a part when guys are getting offers. So that's the first big one. That one's huge, right? The other big one is Adrian Wilson. He commits to TCU. He's another one of the class of 2025. Uh, wide receiver out of Pflugerville. He is the seventh best receiver in the country and the second best receiver in the state of Texas, according to uh, on three. Six foot two, 175 or 70 pound pass catcher. He has com- uh, uh, offers from other Big 12 schools, including Baylor and Texas Tech. He played eight games his sophomore season, 28 passes, 157 yards. He is reportedly run, and this one's really impressive, and it caught my attention, at 4, 5, 6, 40 in a 39-inch vertical. Now, the 40 times, it's kind of like Sasquatch, right? I'm a true believer in 40 times. At the same time, some of these coaches, they got a little bit of a quick finger, put it that way, right? Some of these coaches, maybe, especially at the high school level, maybe fibbing on these 40 times a little bit. You want to see what he looks like at a TCU camp. You want to see what he looks like at a larger camp. But still, huge deal to get a commitment from uh, Wilson. That tells me that Sonny Dykes and the recruiting uh, group that he has put together, uh, you don't want to give Kendall Bryles too much credit here as the OC. I imagine that he plays maybe part of that. He does have a very good relationship with high school uh, athletes. It's been a well-reported, he's got a good track record with uh, the high school coaches in the state of Texas. So you think out of Pflugerville, which is turning into one of the better hotspots, the central Texas area, one of the better hotspots for college athletes in the entire nation, that is a good place to recruit. So I'm happy that, that we get another potentially game-changing wide receiver to pair with the game-changing wide receivers who already are in the room. Now, those are the two big ones. So you might be wondering, what is this massive one that I'm talking about? What is this one that is like so big that it overshadows a four-star quarterback and a wide receiver with a 4-5-6-40 in a 39-inch vertical? Well, it's because they got a commitment from the number one kicker in the country. The number one kicker in the country Chose TCU. That happened today, right? We're recording this Wednesday afternoon. It happened today. South Lake Carroll product chose or chose TCU over Arkansas and Texas Tech. He also had offers from Baylor, North Carolina State, and the dreaded UTSA Roadrunners. Kyle Letterman, Lemerman, Lemerman. We'll got to figure out the name. We'll get it right for you. Kyle Lieberman, top ranked kicker. Why am I so excited about that? Because it is impossible to rely on 19-year-olds. You can barely rely on teenagers to make sure they don't dent your car in a Walmart parking lot. They'll park too close to you and knock your uh, windows out, right? Or knock, put dents in your door. You barely can trust a teenager to drive, and we expect them to win us ball games. We expect college kickers to win us ball games. So you cannot just go to the local high school and watch a soccer game and say, hey, I want that guy, like a lot of uh, college coaches have been known to do. You cannot just go to one college or one uh, junior college game and say, hey, that guy looks pretty good. What do the grades look like? Oh, they're pretty good? We'll bring them on. You cannot expect these things. To get the number one kicker in the country gives me so much peace of mind, 
so much peace of mind. I cannot stress to you enough, and if you've watched college football long enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. It's late in the game. Your team trails by two, okay? You have ball last. You just need to get into the green zone. You just need to get close enough for a 40-yard chip shot. You need to get close enough for the kicker to have a give you a prayer to force overtime or win a game, right? How many times have you seen a college kicker miss that? How many times have you seen your favorite team lose because a kicker missed an extra point early in the game? Countless times. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So to get the number one kicker to at least commit to TCU gives me a lot of hope. I, I feel very, I feel much more peace of mind that kicking, it, everybody overlooks it. Look, I don't love kickers as much as the next guy, right? I think all of kickers drive all of us crazy. But to put an emphasis on kickers, to go get a kicker to even commit this early in the game, gives me faith, gives me hope, gives me a little bit of peace of mind. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you so much for listening to the Hypnotoad podcast. This is another excellent edition. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing, rating, and review wherever you get the podcast. Uh, you help this podcast grow. We are one of the faster-growing Podcast on the uh, Heartland College Sports Network, that is in part because of you, a large part. I would say the majority of the reason that we're growing is because of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us grow and helping the entire uh, podcast network grow. Uh, remember, screenshot your Apple podcast review. Send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's Pete Mundo, the big boss, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Send it. You get a koozie, you get a koozie, you get a koozie. It is almost the 4th of July, and it'd be nice to have your drinks cold. All right, that's going to do it for us. I want to thank you guys for listening, and we will be back next week with more of your favorite TCU athletics right here on the Hypno Toad Podcast.